What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, giving you your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan, joined by my trusty co-host Dave Martin Swagger. Dave, how you doing this week? Doing good, man. Sitting with this new J Electronica album. We officially have more official J Electronica albums in 2020 than we do stimulus checks. It's uh, <laughs> quite the reality that he dropped literally a second album officially. Blows the mind. Yeah, check out that review, uh, youtube.com slash nostalgiapod. Hit the subscribe. Um, we are not going to be talking about the J Electronica album because neither one of us is a title subscriber. So we didn't listen to it. But, uh, you know, if, if you did listen to it, let us know what you think. We'll, we'll get to it eventually. It's I, I supposed bet. to be good because it's all old stuff. Yeah, uh, I want to hear the new J Electronica. <laughs> I don't know. You did. What's you, the you just had to hear Jay-Z wax him for four minutes. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking a couple albums this weekend. A show I think that we both really like. But Dave, first, we're going to talk about the state of the pop culture world during COVID. Because uh, it's still our reality. Going on um, seven months now. And uh, it's still our reality. I mean, what was it? March 13th 14th when the nba shut down that crazy night yes yep that thursday so, or wait, wednesday by the time, night by the time you're listening to this it's pretty much exactly seven months from that date and the uh, nba finals just wrapped up shout out to the bubble shout out to lebron james and ad and jr smith who <laughs> didn't play but celebrated like he carried the team the whole way um but Unlike the bubble, COVID is still affecting all of our worlds. And, you know, we've talked about theaters and how they're, you know, probably in a lot of trouble moving forward. Check out our uh, opening discussion on last week's pod. But th- this past week, it was announced that Soul is going to be dropping on Disney Plus for no extra cost on mm. Christmas Day. And Dave, I wanted to ask you, because we've been talking about all the, the awful ways covid is impacting things is this a like a sliver of hope like a nice shining light of something that we're still going to get sold this year or how are you feeling about that decision Mm. i mean yeah i suppose uh it would be nice i think if that movie got to be in the theaters at least in like europe or something i know the european theater owners are very mad about that it's going to be on disney plus wherever disney plus is available basically and that's great for the consumer and the disney plus subscriber but yeah it's like the industry needs new product and if the new stuff isn't actually available to the theaters it's basically not a new product right but mm-hmm. i'm excited to, to see that because by all accounts it's a this has been the buzz for a while that it's a very strong pixar entry and uh you know like a best animated feature contender kind of thing not that on a different wavelength than say onward was which was more the enjoyable if unremarkable pixar you know so definitely excited to see it and I think that's a quite the choice time to drop it when you know people will be together with their families. There'll be a lot of group viewing of this. I'm sure it'll uh, kind of dominate those streaming uh, like charts and stuff. Oh, totally. I think the, the timing of it makes a ton of sense. I, I'm a little bummed, you know, from everything we can kind of tell about this movie, it seems to be about uh, finding purpose, you know, the afterlife, in a way and also jazz and i i feel like a lot of people probably aren't going to be um you know listening to this on like a home theater system will probably just be regular television you know sound system so there might be something lost in terms of like the the mixing and editing of the sound in it but overall i think that this is uh, a real positive because um as we keep thinking about all these movies that we're not going to be able to see and <laughs> that are getting pushed back i mean is there any movie in 2020 that's still on the calendar? I guess um, maybe Wonder Woman still is technically. Wonder <laughs> Woman still is. Death on the Nile. Ryan Reynolds, Free Guy. Um, <laughs> those are the most notable like major movies. There'll be a lot of independent and smaller awards S movies that are going to get small releases wherever they can get them. Uh, just to kind of ramp up that stuff like Nomadland's going to come out in December and One Night in Miami is going to come out in Christmas and then Amazon a few weeks later so it's like stuff like that but yeah I mean 
I imagine all the major ten polls that have been delayed will be delayed in time, as we said last week. Um, you know, following with Bond and Black Widow and everything else. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be weird, right? Because it's like we we ha- we have some stuff on the calendar that's, uh, and I think that's kind of what's going to dominate all the discussion, right? It's just Nef- Netflix is kind of gearing up their 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 plans. We've got Trial of Chicago Seven coming up. Following we have Rebecca. Uh, Apple's dropping on the rocks. HBO Max has that witches movie from Zemeckis. Then we get Hillbilly Elegy at some point soon. Mank in December officially. Mulraney's Black Bottom, the Chadwick Boseman movie in December. So it's it's going to be a lot of like appointment viewing via streaming. And I feel like anything that's not announced with a streaming or immediate like rental option is just not going to be on anyone's radar. Yeah. It definitely, again, going back to the theater discussion from last week, a huge bummer for them. But it's nice, I think, for the consumer that not all of these movies are being pushed back. There are still some things to be looking forward to. As you mentioned, Trial of the Chicago 7 dropping this coming Friday. Uh, very excited for that. It's just nice to have uh, you know some sense of uh, things rolling out and still happening. Especially as we uh, we look at the, the landscape of the country and are kind of left with this uncertainty of when uh, going back to the theater will be something people feel safe throughout the country to do. So uh, happy about that. You know, I wanted to shift real quick and just get your your thoughts on Morgan Wallen. You have you heard of this guy, Dave? Morgan Wallen. He's a uh, country singer, up and coming country singer, about twenty seven years old was uh, set to perform on SNL this past week. And then about Thursday, it came out that he no longer would, would be performing because he didn't follow, uh, or SNL felt like he was not taking COVID precautions mm-hmm. seriously. Um, they, there were pictures of him out partying the night before, not you know keeping distance. Uh, so SNL said, buddy, you can't <laughs> perform with us now. And they, uh, they just called up Jack White, this little known uh, rock star. Who, Who's that? He, he came on, Dave, and the song he started with was um, Don't Hurt Yourself from Lemonade, uh, the song him and Beyonce did together. That's, oh. and then he, he did like a medley for his first act. It was pretty cool, actually. But uh, really enjoyed that performance. But this is the first time I can remember something that's being done live. There's not a lot of live things right now that are being done in person where a performer wasn't allowed to perform because they didn't follow COVID restrictions. Is there any thoughts around this? Uh, I mean, that guy probably feels like an idiot because if he's going on <laughs> SNL, it's for fucking promo yeah. for his own career, you know? So uh, just don't make that kind of mistake. It's pretty obvious at this point, you know? Yeah. SNL had to work really hard to do not in-person shows in the mm-hmm. summer so they definitely don't want to go back to that so yeah. good on them they should that's the way they should act yeah no i, I agree i think it, i'm glad that, that they were so strict with it it was actually a really interesting episode um kate mckinnon at one point broke character yeah uh talking <laughs> about how this is a really difficult time bill burr got very political uh, particularly about white women and how they're kind of uh, taking over the woke movement and that received a lot of uh, Twitter backlash the next day. Um, and Pete Davidson came at JK Rowling for her transphobic tweets and, and comments. So, Oh, I didn't see that overall good quite shit. a political, uh, episode. And, um, the first episode wasn't very good, but you know, Bill Burr, I felt like really brought it and brought out something in the cast this time, which is exciting to see. Um, I don't know, just interesting COVID times right now and seeing how things are impacted by the, the socio-political state of the world mm-hmm. that we live in, unfortunately. So, uh, I don't know. Any last thoughts? Yeah. Uh, Let's move on to some music. Things suck, man. It's yeah. uh, Everybody <laughs> knows at this point. <laughs> uh, I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, I fucking hate COVID. Like, there's, there's really not much else to say. I just hate it. It's terrible. Um, and uh, hopefully the next 20 or so days go by quick and hopefully it doesn't oh. drag out much longer than that. So yeah. uh, make a plan to vote, people. Anyways, let's jump to some music. Let's jump to, to 
our Baltimore our Baltimore guys, Dave, uh, Future Islands, uh, dropping their their sixth album, I believe. Mm. Yeah, as long as you are, uh, we haven't really talked about Future Islands the album on here, but I've definitely talked about them in terms of their song "Seasons Waiting on You," ranked thirty fourth on pitchforks uh songs of the decade last oh, year in shit. 90 in 96 i believe on rolling stones so a real 2010s banger of a song and really just an amazing beautiful song uh future island is probably known best for their lead singer uh samuel herring who has this very distinct vocal like a kind of like a guttural growl in a way like baritone yeah. voice mm-hmm. but also when he when he performs live he does really really uh strange and unique dancing that uh makes him like a very uh i don't know weird but uh, it, uh captivating front man to watch and mm-hmm. um i think future islands is very much in that like middle tier of of rock bands right now where they consistently put out good work, but I don't think any of it ever really jumps out off as much as Seasons did. Um, but this new album, as long as you are, did this this catch your ear at all? Did anything in here strike you as really top quality? I thought it was pretty pleasant listen. That's just because those lead vocals, as you said, are so striking. And I, I just think the performance is pretty consistently engaging, and I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I think the a lot of the music itself, it's yeah, it's 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 pretty light, pretty fluffy. But when you have those kind of vocals, I don't know. I thought the vibe was was pretty cool. Uh, he kind of reminded me of one of the singers that Trans Siberian Orchestra used to have back in the day. That, uh, that like on like this Christmas Day, like one of like those dudes. It's like that's where that it's like the, like that baritone. You said like that yeah. like kind of like range just kind of brought me back specifically to some music that everyone will be hearing a lot, a lot uh, more soon, obviously with the seasons, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it was pretty, uh, pretty enjoyable. I liked it. Dave, are you a, uh, a big Trans-Siberian orchestra guy? They got some bangers, bro. They do. What, what, uh, what's your favorite? Uh, or oh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Wizards in winter, mad Russians, yeah. Christmas songs yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Those shit, you, that shit hits. Have you seen them live? once yeah way back in the day yeah you only have to go once because it's the same show over and over see the pyrotechnics you know yeah get the get the vibe you get the guy you get like the elevated stages the guys running Mm -hmm. through the crowd like (laughs) playing on the guitar um anyways now we'll we'll talk more about them when uh the, the winter hits but um anyways jumping to back to future islands yeah i thought this was a um a very solid album like it was pretty it was consistent all the way through and i felt like it was definitely a uh a surprise because i i really haven't found a lot of their stuff to be as engaging as this um probably my favorite track was waking which is like this Mm. 80s glitzy keyboard driven song and the bass line in that is just so so good um really loved that that song and it actually kind of reminded me of a killer song a little bit in terms of its sound which i think oh, no. is why i probably was uh <laughs> that's probably why i liked it um you know i also really liked the first single off it for sure and born in war some of the earlier tracks um but yeah you know no one sounds like samuel herring so i think that's really the draw to future islands but overall uh, i think it's it's a lot of the same. I don't think their music ever really jumps out of me as like, wow, except for season. So maybe they'll, they'll recapture it, but it's still okay to be a solid mid-tier band. So we'll jump on now to someone a little bit less season than Future Islands. We're going to jump to Reason, the TDE signing, Young Gun, West Coast. He's actually like 30, though. <laughs> Is he really? Yeah. But I guess in terms of like musical output, he's, he's had a yeah. lot of mixtapes, right? But uh, this is a debut album, debut album right here so. on TDE from Reason. And what his first project was two years ago. Uh, right. There you have it, 2018. Um, yeah, you know, if you if you just listen to this, don't even know anything about Reason. I think pretty quickly you get that California vibe, and you kind of get the sense of 
uh, who he is. And especially if you look at the guest list on here, you know, you got Schoolboy, you got um, Isaiah coming in, you know, mm-hmm. JID. Um, so th- there's some of those. Solo. Yeah. Got, so, got a, lot, a lot of notable TDE features. You like to see that. And I, I'm pretty sure you even get Kendrick popping up here for a couple of ad libs, right? Yeah, like a uncredited background vocals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but was this Reason album a, uh, a strong album in your opinion? How, how were you feeling after listening to it? Yeah, I mean, I like his performance a lot. Like that kind of West Coast like rasp that he has with his delivery reminds me a lot of like Nipsey and Mozzie and stuff. But and he's he's a pretty engaging like uh, competent technical rapper usually the whole time. And there is some shit that really hits here, but I don't think this really comes together as like a great like album album like in terms of like a full body of work. 14 tracks kind of thing it was more just about moments for me with this which i guess is a little disappointing because i do think he's pretty talented but you know i i think he should be able to drop something a little more cohesive next time i don't know it's just like he seemed to have a lot of messages and things on this album but for whatever reason i never really engaged with it the way i want to with a lot of other tde albums you know i think of like like, uh, sc- last time we talked about TD was Schoolboy Q last year at Crash Talk. And I think that's an album that is okay, but didn't really hit the high standards people have for Schoolboy Q. Yeah. And in Reason's case, he doesn't really have any standards for himself. No one really <laughs> knows who he is, even though he's older for a new rapper, um, or, or you know, debut album anyway. Um, and yeah, it, for me, it was just more about these moments. But I mean, some of these moments... I think they're really dope, like pop shit, which was one of the lead singles yeah. with Schoolboy Q. That shit's really fucking fire. That's mm-hmm. awesome. That's, that's was probably the top track for me. Um, it, it sounds like a, a TD Schoolboy Q, even like Kendrick type sound, and mm-hmm. uh, I thought that song really stood out. Um, uh, Showstop, just the Kendrick ad libs in there really caught my ear. Obviously, any, anytime you're getting Kendrick on the track, you're just like, eh, is he about to pop off? Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked Extinct, though. Um, it, it was like a stripped-down, like, Cali jazz sound uh, near the back half of the album after Sauce. You know, you, you also have J.I.D. and Isaiah Rashad on that. Um, yeah. How did you feel about Sauce with, with Vince Staples? You know, we're, we're both big Vince, Vince uh, yeah. Staples fans. How are you feeling thought, about that one? I thought it was solid. I, I, I don't think Vince jumps out as much as some no. of the other guys on this. Like, Q makes a big impression. I thought Absol on Flick It Up. Mm really good i mean just great to hear from absol in general he's not very active but um and isaiah another guy not very active i thought he's good and extinct vince was solid on this you know kind of like yeah he was solid on amine pressure yeah. on the palms you know but um yeah i mean and rhapsody has such a high floor as a lyricist that she made a big impression too but yeah i mean Vin- yeah vince is probably one of my uh uh least least favorite features on this he's all right yeah, I was actually pretty disappointed with it. I felt like it was just kind of nothing uh, to write home about from Vince. And like you said, I think Rhapsody is probably my next favorite uh, feature on this. I thought she was great. Um, just overall, it's funny. I think I liked the features in those moments more than I liked really anything from Reason, which I don't know how, yeah. how mm-hmm. good of a sign that is for him on this. No, I don't think it is a good one. Uh, you know, there's a bit of a social media uh, backlash, I guess you could say, following uh, the song Fall, where he Reason name drops Mac Miller. And uh, I think a lot of people were just you know, denigrating that idea as kind of being in poor taste. But if you listen to what Reason saying, he's talking about how like, you know, the industry kind of sets you up with these deals and surrounds you with yes men, and then you might OD mm-hmm. and die like Mac Miller. And it's like, Honestly, I thought what he was trying to say wasn't what was actually pretty on point. But then to throw something so like distracting, almost like shock value by name dropping someone beloved, someone who's all, who's dead, it's like I think it takes away from what you're actually trying to say. It's just kind of like a, I think a kind of amateur way to go about something like that, you know. Also, yeah. it's not the best read I think on Mac Miller's career. Like I mean, no one no. anything bad to say about him and how he handled his affairs when he died. <laughs> so it's like the whole like yes men thing the labels control you i don't think that really applied to mac anyway yeah. um 
And it's funny to think about this because Reason only a few weeks ago dropped this song called The Soul Part 2, which did not make this album. And on that song, he sent some very pointed disses at Logic for like stealing the culture and stuff. And that song did not make this. Logic, when asked, commented he did not know who Reason was, hmm. which is about as disrespectful as it gets. <laughs> um, and some people were theorizing that perhaps he was kind of protecting Kendrick. Kendrick and Logic have had like dark, like Cold War beef in the past due to Logic's, you know, sonic uh, inspirations from his peers. But yeah, I, I think something like the Mac Miller moment and even something like this Logic moment, which people also weren't even that big a fan of, uh, that kind of stuff shows that you might, you kind of sometimes have a, a, a lot more work to do, you know, and like TDE, they have a really good batting average when it comes to signing people, you know, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean everyone's a finished product. Even some like Reason, who has a lot of tapes out already. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting though, because um, if they kind of knew that, re- or if they could tell that maybe Reason wasn't going to be, you know, uh, really hitting with this album. If it wasn't going to be talked about much, a couple of controversial moments is a good way to at least get people, you know, speaking yeah, reasons that's name. A good point. So yeah. it's it's something. Although I I don't know if uh, coming at Mac is necessarily the, right. the way to do it. But so yeah. I had a question or, for worse, you though. Worst ways. Sure. On TDE, all their big hitters, with the exception of Schoolboy, have not dropped in a long time. Over three years since Kendrick and SZA, mm-hmm. over four years since Isaiah Rashad, almost four years for Absol as well. Who are you most anticipating? You know, got that SZA single recently hit different. Rumors are Kendrick may have been shooting something recently out in public. Mm-hmm. You know something's coming from Kendrick and SZA at some point. But yeah, who, who, where are you at with those guys? Uh, yeah, I mean, Kendrick is the obvious number one. Um, it, you know, Kendrick is literally a top three artist in the world, in, in my opinion. Um, he just goes away. He doesn't even have to maintain his status. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but since I thought we even had like a date, don't don't we? I thought, no? No, no date. Uh, she's also kind of expressed some open contempt for how like Punch and everyone at TD has been handling her stuff hmm. lately. So it doesn't seem like they're on the same page with that, which is unfortunate, obviously. Yeah. I mean, SZA would be my number two. Um, but, you know, I, I would really like to hear another album from Schoolboy. You know, the last one was a little disappointing, but mm-hmm. obviously most of the stuff he puts out is just bangers and really interesting music. Uh, SZA is, is interesting, but I also feel like that sphere is very like packed right now. You know, like it, you, even, uh, mm-hmm. you even tweeted today about, uh, LMI and how we're kind of looking, waiting for that like um, second album drop. And I'm sure we'll be getting a second album from her in the near future. But you know, when, when I think of SZA, there's so many contemporaries that go along with her. Um, and uh, while certainly she's probably at the top of that range, um, I, I guess I just prefer to hear the the strong hip hop over the the R&B. So kind of where I. What about you though? Yeah, no, I agree. I'm not the biggest Isaiah guy. Um, some a lot of people really ride for his music. He hasn't put out a whole lot either. And then Absol just kind of feels like someone who's like half retired at this point because he has yeah. medical issues and stuff. But he's always been a really strong artist when he drops, which is pretty infrequent. So um, who knows? But it, it's kind of it's interesting too. Like when Kendrick last toured, Q, Soul, J Rock, who I didn't mention there, mm-hmm. and SZA, they were all on tour with him too. Like it's kind of just well oiled machine how they do yeah. it there and. Absol will go on tour even if he doesn't have any new music, you know. So I think they're all fine, but hopefully we get something from one of them by the end of the year. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, I, if I had put my money, I'm guessing SZA by the end of the year. Uh, yeah. Kendrick maybe early next year would be my, my bet, but we'll see. You know, the, the surprise drop is always a possibility. Um, well, why don't we move on though and uh, go from the Pacific Ocean across the Atlantic Ocean hmm. to Tottenham? Where Hetty <laughs> once dropped, Hetty one dropped his second album, Edna. Technically, his technically first, his first album. I mean, how many mixtapes this guy got though? Yeah. Like, uh, if you include if you include like duo mixtapes and stuff, he has eight mixtapes. So, <laughs> okay, yeah. twenty six yeah. years old debut album. 
debut album. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, debut album, a lot of, lot of money put into this, uh, not only production wise, but features wise, uh, fairly obvious. If you just kind of read through, you got Stormzy, uh, you got Drake on this, mm-hmm. um, future. There's a, a Skepta. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of people attached to this. So, expectations i think were fairly high did you feel like edna met those for you dave yeah so this is what this is 20 tracks right yeah didn't need 20 tracks from my guy heads (laughs) right here you know especially because we're coming off that uh pretty eclectic and impressive uh gang mixtape that he did with fred again Mm -hmm. and kind of contrasting these two projects from april and uh now you kind of see the whole spectrum of Hedy One music, I think, right? And Hedy One, some guy who's risen to the top of grime, UK grime, sorry, UK drill in England in about two years' time. It's been a very fast rise for the guy. And you seeing this kind of range is cool. And you get, like I think, pieces and bits of that range still on Edna, but because there's so many tracks, it was kind of hard for me to keep track of the versatility I know he has and he's showing because at the end of the day on Edna, there are just kind of some more superfluous standard drill tracks sprinkled mm-hmm. in with some of the other neat stuff we know he can do too. And when yep. he's doing the drill at, at what, well, like he, there's no one really better, but I think we could have cut this down a little bit, but there's still a lot of moments that I liked. And I think Hedy one, Hedy one can drop a fucking banger, my guy. You know, like uh, man, man, be uh, melting those phones from time to time. Yeah, you know, I think I came away feeling like at times this album felt a bit all over the place, but there were two tracks in particular that I was left like, all right, like this is why Hedy won. This is why this team behind him that uh, can be a legit star. And th- those two songs, I guess I'll just call them out now. Ain't it different with AJ Tracy and Stormzy? Uh, I mean, you're sampling Crazy Town Butterfly with that, and it just sounds amazing. And all three of them bring it on that. Um, but then also, I really liked the Drake song, Only You Freestyle. I thought both those tracks were just absolutely great. Drake with another awesome uh, mm. you know, guest verse uh, after 21 Savages last week. So, uh, I. After listening to those two, I was like, okay, Hedy's got it. Some of the other tracks, I was like, all right, this sounds like traditional drill, maybe nothing that's like super uh, interesting or engaging or different, but still solid. I think that's kind of the, the tale of this. Most of it is really, really solid. Yeah, I agree. I mean, speaking to Ain't It Different, which was one of the lead singles, um, the, the Drake collab actually came out in the summer, but was not billed as a single to the album. We didn't know about the album at the time, but that song's been out too. But ain't it different? That's a song that when I heard first heard that kind of really blew me away because mm-hmm. if you think about that, you have three well-known uh, English rap stars, but the least well-known of them, AJ Tracy, is the one who totally spazzes on the track and completely waxes the other two more famous guys. Like his verse is like the perfect union of flow and beat to me. Like I, I think it's 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 so fucking fire. Um, and I yeah, feel like Stormzy kind of cut the short end of the stick coming on the song after that impeccable feature from Tracy. So I really like that song a lot. Um, I also love to see another collab from uh, Hetty and Skepta. Of course, back to basics, perhaps my favorite Hetty one song, just a straight banger. And we get them collabing once again on uh, this album with Try Me and Skepta. The more I think about it, I don't know if he has a bad feature to his name. Like he, he he's a, a really special artist for like the less is more thing, where he just kind of adds something because he has such bravado and charisma to his vocal performances, and kind of having a little different energy to throw off Hetty is really cool. And then on that song, I thought Hetty was really good too. I, I I thought some of my favorite wordplay on this album was with that one, where he makes fun of having a large head yet still remarks on girls giving him head. Uh, mm. Shit was great. And of course, <laughs> rhymes that with his name, Hetty. Like, like top tier stuff. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I, I think he certainly 
display good technical ability on this. Uh, I think, like you said, with it being 20 tracks, they're all not going to hit. Um, but uh, another moment I really liked um, was, oh, I just want to find it here in my notes, uh, it was, um, oh, it was, main, is it Mainstream? Is that one of the songs in the back yep. half? Solo tracker. Yeah, no, at the top. Sorry, I really liked that one. Um, the drums on that were really cool, and it just had a different feel than a lot of the the drill, like the kind of dark drill vibe on this. It mm-hmm. felt like a nice switch up, and it feels like we talk. I feel like we like to talk about this a lot with these drill artists. Is it feels like it expands his uh, rapping vocabulary expands his possibility in terms of what he could be as an artist rather than like this one lane. I think I really like to see that throughout because uh, as we've kind of seen with a lot of artists on their second or third album, if they don't start to expand or explore a different sound, it can just kind of feel like, okay, they're, they're the, you know, Pusha T or they're the Rick Ross who they can be great, but they can never be one of the greatest. So it's just nice to see that potential you know, in other genres, uh, play yeah. out. Yeah. I think conversely in the beginning with Psalm 35, Henny mm-hmm. sings the hook on that song again, kind of showing a little bit more than what people might've expected from him a few years ago. Uh, I also really liked, uh, how is it? Parlez vous anglais with <laughs> H where they just really trade bars, go back and forth. Mm-hmm. I think that sounds wonderful. Um, <laughs> His Heitch has that one quotable. It's like, my, my, my wrist isn't French; it's Swiss or something. Talking about his watch. <laughs> like, All right, I hear, I hear, I hear that. Also, on Hear No Evil, I thought Future actually was pretty solid on that. Definitely not yeah. a collab I would have thought about going in. Future and Heady One, Future and anyone from England, really. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was pretty yeah, solid. Yeah, he, he he was decent. We should probably shout him out because we always bag on him. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think overall this was a pretty solid pro- project. First album for this guy. So. <laughs> First album. Feeling feeling pretty good about Hetty. Drop us your thoughts. Um, and Dave, any last comments for you on Hetty before we move on to the boys? Yeah, I, I wasn't actually expecting a full another full length for him because when he dropped that gang mixtape, he had only literally just gotten out of jail for that knife uh, uh-huh. sentence. So... And then, you know, you hear about other stuff recently, like apparently Ariana Grande has been working and FK Twigs made a whole quarantine album. It just seems like everyone is actually just being more productive because there's nothing else to do and no one can tour, you know, like BTS, the second album <laughs> yep. on the way soon. Like, so, I mean, good on Hedy. I think he's kind of having a banner year and like ain't a difference been a really big chart track in, in, in the UK. So uh, he's definitely on fast track. Definitely on the fast track. And so is Bill the Butcher, William Butcher. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about fast track, maybe, but um, The Boys on Amazon Prime. Season two wrapped up this past Friday. Um, we talked about first episode uh, when we when it dropped eight weeks back. Now that season two is wrapped up, Dave, I just wanted to check in with you and see, did season two of The Boys meet your expectation after a really strong season one huh. did it hold up i mean yeah i think I, I probably just calibrated expectations for the boys i think it's pretty clear that this is a show that's confident in its ability to continue its existence it was renewed for season three before season two came out you know there's a fast track spin-off show about bought superhero college which sounds really cool honestly just superhero kids fucking and killing each other it sounds pretty good um but if you think about like the plot the narrative of this eight episode season in first the boys season two i guess it, it it's pretty down the middle straightforward nothing's too surprising until a 11th hour twist in the finale and you have your standard like b plots split up the characters do some stuff but at the end of the day we're kind of going to the only logical endpoint there was, which was Stormfront not surviving the season. And if you think about it, like her becoming a full fledged out in the open villain took a very long time to happen. So the season really took its time to progress. Mm-hmm. But I, I still really like the hang that is the boys, even though it's a really grim and 
dark and gory show pretty consistently. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it feels like something that's we're, we're going to have for the long run, right? Like uh, Homelander's not going to die. They're not going to go get Homelander, you mm-hmm. know, in the middle of the show's run. So I guess it depends what you want. As yeah, far as like the commentary stuff I like though. Yeah, uh, I think I think certain aspects of it were a little bit, um, I don't know, uh, not as interesting as season one to me. A lot of the stuff with uh, Huey and uh, Starlight, I found myself a little bit like, eh, not not so interested in Huey, especially. Uh, they really seem like they're setting up that his like kindness is his superpower type of commentary, mm. which um, <laughs> sure. Uh, or his empathy or humanity. I'm not really sure, but that seems to be like what they're setting up, especially as like a foil or a, a sidekick to Bill Butcher. Um, I, I thought some of the most interesting stuff actually came with um, Butcher's wife and his child and, yeah. um, you know, Homelander's uh, relationship with him and kind of what that brings out in Homelander's background and exploring that a little bit more. Um, and I also was really interested at the end of the season with the congresswoman who is obviously being set up to be, I don't know if it's going to be the next villain or what her role will be in season three, but definitely a very important role. Um, But I I think for this show, because like you said, a lot of it's very standard. It was the moments like when they break into that hospital where all of the, um, you know, I guess like, superheroes gone wrong or being yeah, the Vought test subjects. And yes. Stuff. The Vought test subjects or, um, you know, at the end of the, the penultimate episode when uh, all the heads just start blowing up at the Christ. congressional hearing, like, um, or even like you were kind of saying like that 12th hour, 11th hour twist in the finale when, when Maeve shows up, you know, and kind of like saves the day in a sense. But um like that that showdown I thought was pretty cool where you finally see like the suit the three superheroes kind of fighting against the one like major superhero there was some interesting stuff there um the commentary you mentioned though tell me about that like what what did you find find that really hit with with that and what didn't so much I mean yeah I think it's it's just the familiarity of what Stormfront and then Homelander's plan of attack was with wooing public opinion you know the rhetoric the posturing the dog whistling it's all unfortunately uh playbooks we we know well at this point and you know seeing that kind of like fanaticism and then like the, again how they slow play Stormfront uh as someone who ultimately is a huge bigot and then you actually learn is actually also a literal nazi and not just like a, a new Nazi, but literally a, a Nazi from when the Nazis began, you know, mm-hmm. like we used to rub, rub, rub elbows with Goebbels and, and the like, you know, it's like, Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. She's like really, r- really bad. We get it. Mm-hmm. But like even before that, it's like when she's using like memes to manipulate people and stuff yeah. again, a familiar thing. So I, I kind of, I like, I like seeing those things and the way uh, she manipulated homelander and then you know like they, they start like getting it on but like you see that she has him where she wants him and then when her past is exposed homelander is so devoid of any empathy that he all that he barely reacts to said revelation and then just mm-hmm. fuck again you know yeah. and it's like kind of seeing that how the layer layer of the characters was good and you know i think like if you think about the, the subplots of the show there's a lot because we're kind of keeping the entire cast from the first season right and i think like anything else not all of them will hit as well as the other ones i'm actually surprised how much i like the stuff with the deep and a train because i was really unsure of where those characters would go mm-hmm. be feeling so removed from the main mix but i actually kind of liked how that concluded um and again like like seeing uh like when Vought, uh uh, outs forcibly outs uh Maeve right and you see that kind of stuff again like Homelander's lack of empathy but then even from the corporation it's like well yeah Maeve's bi but le- lesbians pull better so you're gonna be mm-hmm. a lesbian now it's like like they, the show does it a lot where it has all, all, all these moments where like it grounds like the supreme like meta nature of like the Vought and like the world of the boys but 
yeah, I think I think it's like those those little moments, those little quips that uh, stick with me the most. Even this like baseline, like funny stuff, like those gangsters talking about the metaphor of Hamilton cast being people of color. You know, yep. it's, and which which is fun to hear because uh, early in the episode, Stormfront's urging a very uh, anti-immigration stance earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's stuff like that. Also, I like seeing Sean Ashmore. Um, yeah, as like playing like a pyro character who we of course know as Iceman in the Singer X-Men movies. So stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, it it does a really interesting job of looping in like current commentary. I, I almost feel like the, <laughs> the uh the Nazi America stuff um you know as uncomfortable as it's just just uncomfortable because it's so real at this point, you know, like um what well, I mean we are uh two weeks away or two weeks past our current president failing to denounce white supremacy, you know, and, right. um, you know, having Just another day. Yeah. Having the whole plot of the show basically being how, you know, like Nazis are secretly like building up this potential comeback in the country and not, not really even that secret in a lot of ways. It's, just a little bit disheartening in some ways, but I do think they do a really good job of making some of the commentary on social media, on um, you know, in the industry of celebrity, um, yeah. really, uh, really pointed and, and well. And you also mentioned the the layering of the the character development, and I feel like they also do a really good job of that. You know, and I think especially with someone like Butcher, who um, you know, I feel like in the first season could be very one note. They do a really good job of, exp- of expounding on that this season, though I didn't always find it to be the most interesting parts of the show. Um, you know, hearing more about his background. There was a whole episode where it was kind of like diving into everybody's parental backgrounds a little bit and like family histories a little bit. And I thought his was the one that made the most sense, especially as like his dynamic with Huey was kind of feeling played out, but then seemed to gain... Yeah little bit of, of meaning as um you know they kind of highlighted how he's he kind of huey's like the replacement for his brother who died so i i think the the writing on the show is good but like you said i think they they know season three is coming back they wanted to they're just setting things up kind of building it out for the long haul um you know i guess i had two questions and one of them came from or i guess that both of them came from our our friend of the podcast sean mckenna the first uh stormfronts we mm-hmm. do not actually see her die. She's like Anakin Skywalker. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you think she's going to get the Anakin treatment here? That's funny. That, that's certainly possible. You know, when we see the last thing we see of Homelander is him uh, jerking off on top of some building, right? Yep. I literally thought he was like violating Stormfront or something. I wouldn't have been Her surprised. corpse in that moment. That's what I immediately <laughs> jumped to because we know how fucked up he is, right? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised from what Aya Cash has said to the press. It seemed like she was attracted to this role because it was not a serious regular role. Mm-hmm. And after being on here the worst for such a long time, she's happy to jump in and out of stuff like this and easy and fossey Verdon, Right. So maybe she comes back in the future, but she's definitely not going to be a major presence. I think that's pretty safe, um, but could come back the same way. Like Simon Pegg as Huey's dad could yeah. eventually come back, you know? Um, but yeah, and, and that's, I mean, like, they clearly set up uh, Claudia Domit's uh, mm-hmm. uh, congressman, congresswoman character yeah. to be a, at least, like, subtle antagonist for the start of the next season. And yeah. you know we still have Esposito as the head of Vought in play, and that uh, soup that escaped the hospital, who was really powerful, she got picked up by the hitchhiker, so she's out mm-hmm. there. You know, so I, I don't think we're gonna get back to Stormfront anytime soon. Yeah, I, my I, I agree with you on that, but it was interesting because uh, you know if, if you don't see him die, there's always that possibility. Sure. Second, I mean, the Homelander at this point is like teetering on the edge, if not now pushed over the edge. And the only words that have been told to Anthony Starr in terms of the character for next season is homicidal maniac. Kind of crazy that we haven't seen homicidal maniac uh homelander we've seen some some visions of him like yeah torching a crowd with his eyes striking. <laughs> um expectations for him next season yeah i mean like 
I really like when we get into the psyche of him and we show like, it, like even his background, his upbringing as someone like crafting in the lab for all intents and purposes and mm-hmm. the social cues he didn't have and how now he sees himself as an infallible person because for many respects he is, is that, you know, and mm-hmm. um, he doesn't have, like does, he doesn't have any real allies. Right. So I don't even know what, what, what his motivations will be moving forward because he clearly wants he wants power and adoration above all else, so he wants to stay with Vaught. The last scene press conference kind of suggests that he's going to play ball like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I feel like once you have him be openly murderous or whatever it is, yeah. it's kind of like a bridge you cannot back off. Right. You know, like we we got like the, the footage of him on the plane from season one and like killing people overseas from a phone and stuff. But like if he does shit in the open again, like the current time uh that people immediately know about, I feel like you've the show has permanently transitioned to him being a full on villain for every everybody involved. So I, I think that probably will happen at one point, but I don't think we're close to that yet. Yeah, I think we'll see him doing a lot of just like really fucked up shit without being caught on it or blatantly caught, you know, maybe like a another super will see it, but not want to expose mm-hmm. him still or be afraid to. Um, but I, I don't, like you said, I think once he decides to go full bad, then the show is pretty much moving into its final stage. So yeah, you kind yeah. have to expect that, you know, given that the boys is so good at lampooning superhero culture and adoration and mm-hmm. satirizing so many aspects of it. I think there's actually a great opportunity to do that with Stormfront with that question. Hey, is, is Stormfront still alive? And they'd be like, uh, no, dude, did you see what happened to her? Well, I didn't see her die. It's like, dude, like, like she got mm-hmm. like severed in half. Like she's yeah. Dead. Like something that, like off the cuff, two lines like that could actually be a really funny, again, like comment on, you know, like did the person die? Did, did, yeah. did, did you stay for the end credits? Shit like that, you know? That, that's actually a really funny idea. I'm also interested to see if they ever pull in like a Batman type character. Someone doesn't actually have superpowers, but right. you know, kind of like has enough money to like build all this equipment and act like sure. he is a super. Um, I feel like I mean, there could be funny commentary. Do we even know what Black Noir's powers are? No, <laughs> it's just kind of a, like a, 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 well, a super a strength, I think. Machine. And yeah, I guess. Yeah, I can't I can't tell if it's just like bulletproof armor or if he's actually like this like big unit. Like I don't know. Yeah, but uh, he he's Loki menacing. Um, yeah, yeah, he he's he's cool. Um, Although he he's uh, he's given the work a bit at the the house yeah. there, butcher's house. So yeah, um, I'll shout out uh, John Noble who makes a cameo as Butcher's dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a Lord of the Rings reunion, which I really enjoyed. Of course, Aomir and Denethor. Uh, really really like seeing that. Uh, and also uh, Claudia Domit, who plays the Congresswoman. Uh, I knew her from the mocap she did in Call of Duty last year as Farah. So, and, hmm. you know, watching the season, I was like, oh, she seemed like someone who was an actor on the rise. This is kind of a small part. Should have known that more was in store for her because uh, I did like her a lot. Kind of like a soft, like AOC stand in almost, but really just kind of an engaged Congressman person. So I like yeah. that. And like, yeah, I feel like you kind of we need these bureaucratic uh, figures on the show because we've kind of lost them, right? The original head of Vought, um, that CIA lady who got her head blown off. Like, we've been losing people, so we kind of need these presences. It's not just the Vought people and just the boys. You know, we can we, there needs to be a little more, I think, to keep the world feeling flushed out. And like the whole the whole thing with the church, uh, right? Like, we kind of lost that guy at the end there. Like, I didn't really. I feel like they could have done more with the, the, the presence of that, but I still liked where the deep and a train got to at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. I guess it's okay. Um, was there any yeah. subplots you didn't really care for? Or? Uh, I, th- I think the church stuff, I didn't really care too much for. Um, I also feel like we've really gotten away from, uh, I'm forgetting their names, but butchers kind of like right hand men. Um, of and, Frenchie and yeah, Mother's Milk. Yes, I feel like we've really gotten away from them and their their backstory, and uh, I I find them enjoyable. But sometimes when we go to Frenchie and the, uh, the Kimiko, super, yeah, Kim, Kimiko, it's uh, 
not my favorite stuff. But I, I do like Kamiko as a character, though. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot more in that bone we haven't got yet, like between their relationship and like, like she she loses her brother early on. Her brother's painted as this, you know, super terrorist, right? And like, uh-huh. she still only gets a few moments where she's gonna like sign stuff to Frenchie, but like she's yeah, they definitely feel like afterthoughts a bit as yeah. far as the ensemble goes. Uh can't wait for it to come back. We do know third season's coming. It's probably sometime next year. I'm hoping the same point. Um, I don't know, Dave. Any uh, any last thoughts on the boys? Definitely. Like I said before, I'm I'm very into the this spinoff idea. Yeah, so I think that has a lot of great potential. So looking I forward agree. to anything that comes back. You know, I mean, I feel like this is a show. From what we know, this is kind of a longer shoot. A lot of outdoor stuff. They're wearing superhero costumes after all. So. I don't know how COVID friendly production right. on the show is. So it might be longer than normal for season three. I know it wasn't, but actually wait, might have, they might've already done work on, I'm pretty sure they haven't, but yeah, hopefully it's not too long. Also shout out to the soundtrack. I feel like consistently throughout they had a good mix of like newer, but not so popular songs and some old school hits and mm-hmm. uh, definitely some great drops with that stuff. So um uh, overall just a really impressive show and uh, i'm grateful for it as a alternative to uh, hbo programming because i feel like that's all we've been watching recently (laughs) sure Uh, from what what i see here season three is scheduled to go into production february 1st so we'll see if that sticks hopefully it does wear a mask uh but because I mean, we're already basically into next week. Dave, what should the people be lis- listening to, <laughs> watching for next week while yeah, also talking wearing a mask? Of course. We'll be talking about stuff we've already discussed, like the end of Lovecraft Country and The Third Day on HBO. Uh, on Netflix, we'll have Aaron Sorkin's The Trial of Chicago 7. Finally here. Very excited about that. Also, Kajillionaire on VOD, another well-liked film. Um, we may be talking about some other recent shows soon enough, like The Haunting of Fly Manor the viral and controversial Emily in Paris. Also, looking forward to the new album from WizKid. You know, uh, I want to see how that stacks up to Burn Boy because we've been talking about the more uh, international stuff of late. So let's see what that's about. SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod, YouTube.com slash NostalgiaPod, YouTube.com slash NostalgiaPod. Go to spotify and search nostalgia best of 2020 on spotify again and also go to twitter and at nostalgia pod at martin swagger don't give me a follow it's not worth it we'll talk to you all next week peace out hey.